Episode 54, Krister Ungerbach. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Father's Day week, and we've got a special episode for this meaningful holiday. This show's roots are directly related to meaning, a big key to employee engagement, and I'm fortunate to have met a leadership change agent who is vulnerable in his life share and passionate about meaning too. This is for the fathers, but we can use it as leaders in any capacity, the system that we're about to learn today. Krister comes with quite the background from award-winning CEO to national keynote speaker and passionate about employee engagement. You're going to have to check him out online, but let's get to it. Krister, so excited to have you on the show. We're going to open up with the topic of self-awareness, especially for leaders. So Krister, why should we make this a priority? First of all, Nikki, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so awareness, why is awareness important? I, I'd tell, start with telling a story. I was CEO of a global software company. Uh, we grew like 3,000%. And in 2011, I believe it was 2011, I discovered that I was uh, a bad boss. So (laughs) I was in a room in uh, University of North Carolina, sitting in the back of the room. There were about 100, maybe 150 leaders in the room. Admittedly, it's it's the second day and the first day of this workshop didn't really go very well. So I was kind of sitting in the back thinking, uh, maybe this is not uh, the place where I need to be today. And uh, we're the, the facilitator, who's a, a PhD professor who's been studying leadership in the eyes of leaders' employees for over 50 years, he has hundreds of thousands of data points on leaders' behavior in the eyes of their employees, he's going through the results of an anonymous 360 survey that was given to me, as well as the other 150 or whatever leaders in the room. And he says, I, I look at my open my paper, and my score is 199 out of 200, which me, I'm thinking, you, know, you can't get much better than 199 out of 200. And then he says, uh, if your score is over 180, that's actually bad. So I realized that this is actually not a good thing. And he said, so again, I'm sitting in the back of the room. There are uh, over 100 leaders in the, and he's saying, if your score on this dimension of this uh, assessment is over 180, then I bet you were parented by one or both of your parents was highly critical. You could never do good enough. And and I'm sitting in the back and like half the people in the room are unconsciously nodding in agreement while he's talking about this, including myself. And he says, and so here's the thing, I'm able to tell you how you were parented based upon what your employees are saying about you in response to an anonymous 360 survey. And here's the other thing that uh, what our research tells us is that if you don't change those behaviors, your children are going to say the same thing about you as a parent, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And so this was really one of the genesis of kind of what I do is the language of leadership, which is a unified language of leadership that drives increased commitment, connection and growth that works both at work and at home. So this concept of having one language of leadership that I use at work and another language of leadership that I use at home 
uh, I had the fortunate opportunity to learn French and German when I was an adult, and I had to learn to lead people in French and German. And the thing about learning a new language is if you want to actually master a new language, you practice it everywhere. I wouldn't just try to practice French uh, when I was at work and then speak English at home. You need to try to practice it everywhere. So this creating this unified language of leadership that allows us to really learn and maximize and accelerate our learning of a new, more powerful language that drives emotional intelligence and better relationships at work and at home. That, that's the language of leadership. Krista, great story to open up with and so glad you figured out you were a bad boss because a lot of people don't. And you've gone to extreme lengths to be a leadership expert now. So great lesson. Failure is a game changer. Love your whole human approach to what we're going to learn today too. So let's talk about the 360 tool since it was the vehicle for change. Make sure that our listeners understand the 360. What is the tool? How does it work? Yeah, so in, in a typical HR context, a 360, uh, it, the way it mo most organizations execute a 360, it's like an online survey that I send to five or 10 people that, uh, that I work with, and they give me feedback anonymously. Now, the challenge with, with the way many organizations execute 360s is one, actually was on a TV show in, in Chicago talking about toxic bosses, and someone in the green room said, oh, what do you do about toxic bosses? I have a toxic boss. I said, well, 360 is a good first step. And she said, well, that's great. We did one last year, but we, none of us felt comfortable actually being honest. So we all kind of lied. <laughs> and the reason for that is because when many 360s are done, it's done to a small group, like five or six people. Well, if I'm the leader and I'm a, you know, and people don't trust me as a leader and I only have five data points, I'm probably, you're probably not going to feel very anonymous because I could probably pick people's responses out based upon their comments, right? So the first thing is to do a 360 to a pretty, pretty wide audience, ideally 20, 30 data points, uh, which requires a little bit more um, uh, depth of analysis because you need to be able to separate out the people who report directly, who you have a good relationship and a, and a bunch of other things like that. The second thing is having anonymous confidential interviews to actually follow up with some of those 20 people so that before the feedback is given back to the leader, you have actually kind of some stories that you can tell behind to give color to that kind of online anonymous feedback. And then the last, which was what was unique about my experience, I was in a, I was a CEO of one of the largest family owned software companies in the world. And so many of my coworkers were, were family members. Uh, but then I also sent the survey to my wife and other people. Uh, so I actually got a true 360 view of not just how I was behaving at work, but also how I was coming across personally. And what that gives me is, and it gives leaders is we often compartmentalize and think, well, I'm one way at work and I'm a different way at home. And the reality is, is that rarely is that actually the case. But if I actually have a 360 that has uh, feedback from people personally and professionally, then it starts to bring awareness to the fact that we're not as good at hiding uh, certain behaviors in kind of one corner of our lives, personally or professionally. So all that said, and this is kind of the the origin of this exercise that I call the Father's Creed Challenge. So doing a 360 in that way can, can, be, can, can be kind of expensive. I mean, you know, getting confidential interviews and getting a psychologist or something like that involved can cost $10,000, $15,000 for a senior leader. So what I created was this thing called the Father's Creed Challenge. There's actually a variation of this that's about 80% similar for leaders that I call the Leader's Creed Challenge. And the important thing is that the, the exercise is nearly the exact same. I can do this with my son or my daughter or a mother can do the Mother's Creed Challenge and I can do it with an employee and 
fundamentally the exercise is exactly the same. The statements are just slightly tweaked for a personal setting. And so here's how it goes. So one, I've got a worksheet that people can download on my website at uh, thefatherscreed.com and it's got 10 statements on it. And I sit down with my son or daughter. Uh, you can also do this on their birthday. I read a statement and then I ask them on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on that? And then after that, the follow-up question is the most important for each statement. I say, what can I start or stop doing to be a better dad or a better mom or a better leader? So here's an example of one of those statements. So I appreciate, acknowledge, and encourage you. On a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on that as a dad? And follow-up question, what can I start doing or stop doing to improve on this dimension? And so you go through each of these 10 statements and just have a conversation. I've done it with my kids. It takes you know, sometimes between 15 and 30 minutes, depending on how old they are and how many, how many suggestions they have. Uh, I had one, one of the statements that I had when my seven-year-old son last year when I did this exercise is I said, I seek out your interests and make them shared interests of mine. It was interesting. He, he said, I said, how are you? How am I doing on a scale of one to 10? He goes, well, about a six. He's seven years old. And I said, well, what can I do, buddy, to kind of what do you think I can do? And he said, well, you know what? You know, you need to have some interests of your own. And maybe you don't need to actually kind of become a seven or an eight on this because you need to have some of your own interests. And so it was just, it's incredible what we can learn from young kids uh, about, you know, how we come across as parents. There, there's one statement, Nikki, that I think that was really the most powerful one for me. Uh, and I, I put it as the first one. Uh, so at the time that I did the Father's Creed Challenge the first time, uh, I'd recently gotten divorced. And the first statement is, I treat your mother with kindness and respect. And so this statement applies regardless of whether we're married or divorced or not. The research shows that the relationship between a mother and father, married or unmarried, comes kind of the default settings for our children's relationships with you know, their romantic relationships in the future. So if I treat my children's mother with kindness and respect, and she treats me with kindness and respect, and that sets the expectation for what my children are going to expect in their relationships in the future. And, and that fundamentally is really the power of this, you know, Father's Creed Challenge is starting to get awareness of what can we do better as leaders in our family life, you know, with our children, and, and ultimately, what can we do to become better fathers and, uh, and better husbands uh, if we're married or, or better ex-husbands if we're not, in my case. Wow. Okay. Father's Creed Challenge, Leader's Creed Challenge, whichever we want to call it. How fascinating and impactful. So here's a couple questions just to you know summarize from a tactical perspective, maybe a little strategic here. But first one, how often do we do this cadence-wise? I do it uh, once per year on Father's Day. I think, you know, many people who discover the Father's Creed Challenge, they discover in my keynotes. So they sometimes choose to do it on a child's birthday. If it's, uh, there's also a variation called the Couples Creed Challenge, which you can do on Valentine's Day or your anniversary. But intentionally, do, do, my intention is to do it just once per year. And then part of the reason with the worksheet that, you know, re listeners can uh, download at thefatherscreed.com is to actually make notes on that. So, you know, um, I'm looking at my video camera. There's actually, you can write the numbers down and take a picture of it with your phone. And then next year, you actually have a little bit of a record of what did you talk about last year, holding ourselves accountable. Uh, and I think part of the psychology of why the Father's Creed Challenge works is uh, 
something called cognitive dissonance. The statements are done, uh, are intended, not I will treat your mother with kindness and respect. It's I do treat your mother with kindness and respect. And that's kind of what makes it the most uncomfortable. Because there are some statements that even when I created this and I read them to my children the first time, I was like, you know what? I, I really don't feel that I do that as well as I could. But what happens is this concept of cognitive dissonance is when we say something aloud to someone else, our unconscious mind tends to kind of you know, work overtime to make sure that our actions actually fit our words. That's why companies put core values on the wall. That's like when we commit our goals and we tell other people about them, we're more likely to achieve them. So this goal with this Father's Creed Challenge is, and that's the most courageous and let's say scary thing about it is, I'm going to say these things to my children and I know that they're not going to forget it. So I'm going to have to hold myself accountable to being this way more so in the future than I am today. What a gift this is to be sharing with fathers to do, you know, not only to build relationship, but just to build a deeper relationship and just healthy. It's wonderful. Can we shift this to talk about leaders? So a leader's creed challenge, I'm guessing from what you said, this is a best practice would be once a year. When it comes to that leader, who are all of the people that would get involved in that and giving them feedback? So if I, if I was if in a leadership context, I would start with my top performers. I mean, certainly the ones that I think are most important to the success of my team uh, and do this exercise. I do want to mention one of the things on the website, both for the Leaders Creed Challenge and the Fathers Creed Challenge, is I offer kind of a video tutorial. It's, it's free, so there's no charge basically to kind of walk the leader through the statements and kind of what to expect, how to actually present the exercise so that it kind of the context is set correctly. But I would say first start with your kind of top 20 to 30% of your best people. Uh, and that could also, if you're a leader of leaders, meaning you've got 50 people in your, in your span of care, that might be your top 20% of people in your entire organization, not just the people who report directly to you. And then, and I would generally, I think that, you know, if you don't do it with all of your people, people do talk, people would be say like, well, why, why didn't, why did my leader not actually ask me those questions? So I think it's important to do with everyone to get their feedback. That's good. And then let's talk about best practices when it comes to follow-up. So, you know, this show is- Sorry to interrupt, Nikki. One, One thing I think is equally important to your top performers is also to do the exercise with the people that you have difficult relationships with. And that's one of the reasons why I created the video tutorials is this is, this is easy. This exercise is not so, not so difficult to do with someone you've got a great relationship with. It's the teenage child, right? (laughs) Who's kind of in that state of defiance or, uh, or the employee that you don't have a great relationship with that really that's where the breakthroughs can often happen. Uh, So having uh, some kind of, let's say, training wheels of how to get those conversations off on the right start is part of why I created those extra videos on the site. That's great. And a wonderful addition to throw into the Father's Creed challenge is, you know, you've got some challenging relationships out there. All of us do really focus on those. Don't overlook them. That's great. So this show is brought to us by Amplify, which is an employee engagement measurement system. So we're regularly getting feedback from employees to give leaders insight on areas that need attention for prioritization, right? So a big part to any kind of feedback that you get, whether it's an engagement survey or your process, is the follow-up. And that's where a lot of us fall down. So talk about best practices when it comes to follow-up, maybe even share some stories around what doesn't work, what does work. 
Yeah, I, I cover this in the video as well. So when someone gives you a piece of feedback as you're going through this exercise, the first thing is, well, if you feel comfortable that you can make a commitment in that moment to say, yes, I'm going to do that. And then try the, the ways to make the employee feel or the other person feel heard first is to uh, write it down and let them see you writing it down. And then the more you can make a specific commitment of either I'm going to do that by this date or if it's not something, you know, let's say it's I would like more positive feedback is something that's going to say, so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to check in with you in four weeks. Can we put an appointment on our calendar right now so that we can have a check-in about how I'm doing over the past four weeks on this? So I think that's one way to basically calendar those things uh, as soon as we get the feedback, uh, some kind of follow-up where I must stand in front of someone and say, here's what I did, whether that's one-on-one -on -one meeting uh, or, uh, or if it's a team meeting, I think it can be even more powerful. Uh, so when we did our employee engagement surveys and I was a CEO, I stood in front of the entire company afterwards and said, here are the three things that we're going to do. And I'm, here's the dates. And the employees knew that I would give a quarterly presentation every, uh, every 90 days and that I would give an update on how are we progressing. And if we haven't done anything, then I need to stand in front of everyone and say, you know what, we haven't done anything on that thing that I told you 90 days ago that we were going to do. And again, I think it comes back to like the power of this uh, leader's creed and father's creed is the fact that I'm, I am actually making these commitments to someone, uh, which is where the accountability comes in. This is so good, Krister. And I'm going to ask you before we wrap up to do a quick summary of what you're challenging our listeners to do for the Father's Day Creed. So we'll come back to that right before we uh, go into our lightning round. But let's transition into the language of leadership. And I really love your story that you opened up with and just being vulnerable enough to say that you were a bad boss and you went from bad boss to getting very I would say almost obsessed with wanting to learn how to be a great one and how to teach leadership. And so there the language of leadership was born, lots of work in between there, I'm sure. But can you share the, the concept of the lingu language of leadership with us? Yeah. So, well, one, uh, you mentioned that going from a bad boss is I, I was devoted to becoming a great boss way before I learned that I was a bad boss. So I was actually completely blindsided by this realization because I thought I was a pretty good boss before that. Uh, wow. So, I say that I learned my most profound leadership insights did not come while I was CEO of one of this uh, family owned, largest family owned software company in the world. They came while I found myself at the YMCA signing up for a gym membership. I had spent my entire life, you know, since I was 12 years old, reading business books and leadership books. And about three years ago, I found myself signing up for a gym membership. And the woman was typing into the computer uh, my responses. And she asked me the question that changed my life. She said, who is your emergency contact? And I broke down crying because I didn't have anyone. Uh, in the two weeks prior to that, I had uh, initiated a business divorce with my business partners and family members and thought, well, I'm going to focus on my marriage and make sure I'm a great dad and a great husband. And just days before I found myself signing up for a gym membership, my wife walked out on me. And so I had nothing, nothing, no one. And I went on a journey. I was like, I've read hundreds, thousands of business books and, you know, read the Harvard Business Review and all these things. And yet I seemingly did not find the secret to leadership. And so I went on a journey to, to discover the secrets to leadership that, I, that had eluded me uh, all those years when I was a CEO and business leader. 
I threw away, you know, did not look at any business best-selling books that I had read, you know, for the 20 years prior. Uh, I retired to become, to kind of write my own book and become a keynote speaker. And it was really going to some of these places that I really would have judged as far out and kind of weird, um, some, you know, new age folks that I learned some of the greatest insights. Always keeping my CEO practical business hat on. I didn't like, you know, go, go off the reservation, but I was always sitting, finding myself sitting in these rooms. Rarely was there anyone else dressed in, you know, in business clothing or whatever. Uh, usually it was all yoga pants. And I kept the kind of this professional lens on of like, what is, what is it here that, that I can take away and can help leaders uh, apply? That's great. Wow. And you know what even makes a, a bigger point is that you were on the path and had been studying leadership for a long time. And so just making more of a point on why self-awareness and feedback is so important and could be really, really hard, right? But you have chosen to be bold and now you're making a bold challenge to everyone else because it's changed your life. It's just really, really cool. So with that, um, Krister, I want you to just summarize for us the the Father's Creed challenge to this is, we're really promoting this because it is Father's Day. What is that challenge that you want our listeners to walk away with? So to do the challenge, you just go to thefatherscreed.com. It'll redirect to my website. You put your email address in and it'll send you a list of 10 questions and a link to a video that will kind of walk you through how to do the challenge. And then that will give you kind of the container for how to set it up and how to introduce it to your child so that when they come in and you're not kind of springing it on them. But, you know, basically that's all that, uh, that's all that people need to do. And then if they so, if people so choose, some, some people have kind of, suggested that they may actually post their results or their action items onto social media or in some way create accountability of what they're going to do or what the impact it had on their life. The last thing that I'll offer to your listeners is that if people come to the website and they have questions or challenges, they kind of go in, they jump into the deep end of the pool and something doesn't go well, that if they comment on the video, either on YouTube or on my website, then I'll, uh, I'll endeavor to either post revised revised videos to help kind of solve those challenges or, or respond to those comments, uh, you know, in text of, with some suggestions of how to proceed. Not everyone has great relationships and some people, the, the most courageous people are going to potentially be stepping into, you know, kind of opening up Pandora's box to, to have some of these conversations with uh, challenging relationships in their lives. Definitely a bold move and a wonderful gift that you've given us all today. So thank you, Krister. Uh, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsor today, and come back and learn about the personal side of Krister with what we call our lightning round. We'll be right back. Are you still using Pulse surveys? How about annual questionnaires? If your organization relies on either of these, it's time to discover Amplify. Amplify has created a new way to measure employee engagement. It's where CEOs who want to know what's really happening within a workforce go to get honest feedback and to understand what needs to change for people to love their work. Companies that have used Amplify have increased productivity by as much as 30% in just three months. Best of all, it's not just data that Amplify provides. Executives get hands-on coaching with engagement specialists, people who know exactly what to do with the data. To see their latest research on employee engagement, visit Amplify.com. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science. Krister, this is all about you here. We want to know about some of your favorite things. So first of all, if you could pick out your favorite book or a book that you would recommend to our listeners, what would it be? 
it's, it's one of those books that I discovered on the journey that has never been a bestseller anywhere, but it sold over a million copies. And it's a great example of don't judge a book by its cover. The book is titled Nonviolent Communication. And if you were to, you can imagine if you were to be sitting on an airplane uh, reading this book and somebody asks you what you're reading, you might be a little bit embarrassed because they'd be like, well, oh, nonviolent communication. All right, just enjoy your flight. <laughs> so, but interestingly, the book was actually the first book that was recommended by Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella to his executives after he took over as CEO of Microsoft. Oh, wow. Going on the list written for by, sure. Written by a peace activist who used to, one of the reasons it never caught on in the corporate world is if you've ever seen uh, videos of the author, he had a thing for doing his keynotes with sock puppets and uh, singing <laughs> interesting songs. So, but again, one of the most powerful books that I've ever read. If, if, he, if he had written the book today, the title would have been The Language of Empathy. Wow. Okay, great. We're all going to check that book out. It sounds like very intriguing. All right. Favorite vacation spot? I like to go to Vail. I like Colorado, the mountains, uh, whether it's summer or winter, and uh, Vail and Aspen. Beautiful. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? When I'm not working, I like doing going on long bike rides, like 100, 200 mile bike rides over the course of a couple couple days. Oh, wow. That's cool. And how can our listeners connect with you after the show, Krister? Uh, the best way to connect with me is on my website, Krister.com. Uh, so my first name is Krister with a K, Krister.com. Uh, or if you go to thefatherscreed.com, it will redirect to a page on my website uh, where you can get more information. All right. Well, time flies when I'm having fun. And that sure was a fun conversation and very beneficial. So we've heard this a few times before. So I'm thinking a consistent message is something to pick up on. You know, we keep hearing it. Let's look into it more. So number one, 360 feedback. This is a process that helps us understand how others see or experience us. So get an audience of 20 plus, like that larger sample size that Krister talked about and uh, make it an annual habit to get that feedback can be tough, but really important and meaningful and impactful. Number two, focus on the difficult relationships around you. Most of us do the opposite, but with this process that we learned today, it can be simple, maybe not easy, but that stuff makes us grow. Uh, powerful next steps from feedback have three parts, which is the third tip today. Write down what you're going to do, make a commitment, and then have a date to check in. So that's going to be our success path for actually taking next steps and getting things done. So keep changing the world, people. We'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.